Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. This is Zach Van Norman with Once Upon a Fan bringing you our weekly podcast. And I am joined, of course, of course <laughs> by my regular co-host, Amy Hood. <laughs> Amy, how are you, darling? I am beyond excited. I could not be more excited or... I just don't even know what would happen because we finally, finally are done with the hiatus. Yay. Oh, yes, and it is so good, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. It is fabulous. Fabulous. How are you, love? You had a busy week, too. I had a very busy week, yeah. All of that stuff with our regular news roundup, and I just want to let everybody know that the chat room is open now, and I will do our usual warning that sometimes it does take a couple of page refreshes before you actually see the chat room. So if you don't get in the first time, please go ahead and keep refreshing, and it will eventually pop pop up for you, I promise. So with that being said, we can go ahead and get into our news roundup now. Um, We've got a lot to discuss. Um, So the first thing that I think I want to talk about is that there was a lot of publicity for Once Upon a Time at the end of last week um, on various morning news shows. Um, And then there was uh, another interview on the Huffington Post that we can talk about as well after that. So... Um, first of all, Josh Dallas, Colin O'Donohue, Jennifer Morrison, and Lana Priya were all on The View, as well as Good Morning America. Um, and, and they talked a little bit about the show. It's really kind of hard for, well, at least in my opinion, for anybody to describe what the show is about in the time frame of a morning talk show because it's so complicated that it it just takes more time than that. So, um I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just me. Amy, what do you think? Because I kind of felt like like what the show is really about didn't really maybe get across as well as it could have, only because of the time constraint. I think you're right. I think that in the constraints of a ten to fifteen minute interview max, that it's really really hard. And in the case of like the Huffington Post live, that was only eight minutes of an interview. I think it is hard to explain, especially to a casual or a new viewer what is at the heart of this show. And I do think they tried to get across that this is all about hope and, you know, that that's at the center of it, that there's so much more. And uh, hopefully a lot of people who were not caught up watched that Wicked is Coming special that aired before the actual premiere of Once Upon a Time on Sunday because bar the best recap that they have put together yet of all the three seasons. Oh, I completely agree with that. That It was so well done. I was quite impressed by it. Um, I really like the fact that they had a lot of cast interviews in there. Me too. It made it feel, it made it feel really personal to me. So I, I really like that aspect of it a lot. I did too. I thought that's part of what, because normally it's mostly Eddie and Adam, which we love Eddie and Adam, but it kind of added yeah. so much more for me to hear from the other the actors and things and see their point of view. And it just, I don't know, it makes them, I feel like it makes them more relatable, you know, to the Once Upon a Family, to mm-hmm. to have them on there explaining their predicaments. Yeah, I agree with that. So, yeah, that's a good point there. Um, so, yeah, and, of course, Josh Dallas did mention the fact that him and Jenny are expecting a baby and that person will mm-hmm. be home soon. So that's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very exciting. It's going to be so cute. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. It's so he was careful I, not really to give away. Yeah, he was careful on every interview he did not to give away too many details. 
And, you know, if they don't want it to get out, then I'm certainly not going to go snooping for it. But to them, they keep it personal, and that's fine. But he, you know, he was careful to say it instead of he or she. So, you know, I think they kind of want to maybe keep that, that moment a little private. But he did say that in the Huffington Post interview that was live that he was hanging uh, a baby mobile above the crib, and he said it was whales, which could be either way. I mean, he could have, you know, male or female. So which is cute. That's kind of not your typical thing. But he did say that in the Huffington Post interview, which was my favorite interview, by the way. Yes, I can imagine why. So everybody, <laughs> um, if you're not aware, um, this week HuffPost Live did a, um, an interview with Josh Dallas, and they invited a couple of super fans to um, call in, well, at least one that I know of, and uh, it was Amy. So uh, Amy, go ahead and tell us about your experience with that doll. This was crazy. My phone was actually on the charger. I was working with Jacob to get his schoolwork done early because Thursday was the premiere of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, so we wanted everything done early. Well, I look at my phone, and I've got all these messages from Derek, the head of our fan site, and the last one was the one I saw first, and he said, oh, my God, Amy, check your messages, like in all caps. And so basically it boiled down to, hey, what are you doing today? Do you have time to talk to Josh Dallas live at 3.50 this afternoon? And, I mean, are you going to say no to that? Because heck no. So I made a joke and told him that, you know, I guess I had to put on some pants and brush my hair then if I was going to, you know, go on the webcam and talk to him. But it was fun. They told us originally we were going to have three questions. But we ended up, because of time constraints, that's the interview that ended up only being eight minutes long, and most of it was conducted by their person. Um, and then they threw to me to ask a question, and then I think they had to wrap up. They were running behind for the second interview with another, a different actor who's not from once. But we only did get to ask one of our questions. But still, it was really cool. He was really sweet. He, you know, I mentioned that I was with Once Upon a Fan, and he had met several of you guys before, but never I had never had a chance to talk to him. So that was definitely, you know, you don't wake up on a Thursday morning expecting that you're going to talk to Josh Ed Alice in, you know, five hours. So it was kind of a crazy day, but so fun and so exciting, and I'm really glad that that is something I got to do. Yeah. Uh, I was pretty excited for you. So, um, because that's a really unique opportunity, and I mean, I know I can imagine the excitement that you are feeling. I'm pretty sure I've felt it myself. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I can <laughs> I can understand where you're coming from on that for sure. Um, yeah, that was that was just really really cool to see. I'm really happy that you got to do that. Yeah. yeah. And you have right, so for the next yourself this week. Yes, I did. Um, God, it was so much fun. Okay, so. Um, but yesterday I had the opportunity because I live here in Seattle and it's not very far from Steveston. It's only about a three hour drive. Um, you know, and you have to cross the Canadian border and everything like that, but it's all good. So I drove up there to Steveston with my good friend, Melissa Rogers, who, um, uh, acted as my camera woman, camera person. I'm very appreciative to Melissa for that. So thank you, Melissa. Um, and we went up there to uh, interview a couple of fans that, uh, a lot of, you know, oncers in the community who are active in the community at least know. Um, one of them was Lori Hancock, who is, of course, the regular here with Once Upon a Fan, and she's absolutely amazing. 
And then the other one is Katrina Tan, who is a uh, Vancouver local, and she is, uh, she's been on set a few times, and she's met the cast a few times. So I just wanted to uh, continue Once Upon a Fan series of fan interviews, you know, just kind of talking about the effect that the show has had on people's lives and, you know, why they identify with it. And uh, it was really good fun. Um, I got to say, Steveston is a very windy little village. Um, I have been there before last year, but um, this was like my third time going. But it is extremely windy there. And so I warn anyone who has not gone, if you ever make a trip up there, um, just be prepared for the wind, especially if you go, you know, in the colder months. Just just something to be aware of. But So we went, and, I mean, they have eagles. Oh, my God, Amy, we saw um, bald eagles. We saw like four of them just in the park, like the same park where Henry's Playground is. Um, and we also yeah. went to well, the little area where uh, um, Henry's uh, swing set was set up in um, and straight on till morning in season two after, mm-hmm. you know, when uh, Rump was twisting the cane on the on the rope swing, whatever. Uh, we went there, too. We, there were eagles everywhere. It was just amazing. It was so pretty. Yeah, but um, – Anyways, enough about that. Enough about the Eagles. They were just there. It was kind of like, you know, Lord of the Rings. Like, you know, I thought like Mordor was, you know, the ring had been destroyed and the <laughs> Eagles were coming to save us. They were so close. It was crazy. Um, but we also and I uh, saw went over some to... pictures of the Evil Queen's house that you posted, which I was super excited about seeing. Yeah, we went over to um, the house that is, you know, basically Regina's house. And we also went over to the house which doubles as Mr. Gold's house. And that was very exciting. Uh, we were thinking about going over to Jefferson's place, but it's um, kind of the opposite direction. Because um, okay. the thing about the filming location is that it's not all in the same town. Um, you know, the main intersection that we all see with the library and the marine garage and everything like that, that's all down in Steveston. But the other stuff is actually in other suburbs of Vancouver. Like Regina's and Gold's houses are in New Westminster. Jefferson's house okay. is over in Burnaby. Um, the town hall is in Fort Langley. So it's all, you know, it's all kind of spread out. It's not all together in one place. So it's about half hour distance between everything. Oh, uh, so that's we were, interesting because I thought it was all, I, I thought it was more contained than that, but I've never been up there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought I thought that everything was much closer. But you had some yeah, amazing no, it's pictures. Re- yeah, it's really far. Um, for, I mean, well, not really far. I mean, you know, like the earth to the moon is really far, but so it's just a short <laughs> distance. But um, uh, I mean, really, let's be, you know. But um, it was really cool. Um, Vancouver is just a really lovely town. The people there are really nice, and especially down in Houston, it's very, very quiet. Um, and so the, I will say that too. It's a very just, it's very still, very peaceful, um, very charming. No pun intended. So it was really, really fun. Um, and I got to talk to Lori and Katrina, and it was. That it was just great. Um, me and Katrina reenacted Snow and Charming's reunion in A Land Without Magic. Like at the intersection, like we ran to each other and gave each other a hug. You know, we were like, we called each other. We're like, Charming and Snow. And so there are pictures on Twitter too. You know, it's just it's fun. Oh, and you know what else too? Um, I found the door to Archie's like office. Like they have mm-hmm. signage on the door that says Dr. Archibald Hopper's like, you know, MD. And so I took pictures of that, too, because I hadn't seen that before. I hadn't found it. Um, and, yeah, we were in front of the Storybrooke Pet Shelter, and we went over to Mr. Gold's, which is actually a shop now. It's no longer a set they have all the time because, um, sure. I guess, the lease expired or something. But now it's a shop. So, But they still have Mr. Gold Pawnbroker out on the window, so it's pretty cool. 
Um, but yeah, we saw a lot of stuff, and Lori was so nice. She gave me a little swan pin from uh, that she got at Disneyland once. And it's actually, Amy, you know what's, what's funny, too, is that she actually, it's from the, uh, the Swan Hotel out in Disney World. But she got it from yeah. somebody at Disneyland, and then she gave it to me as a gift. So thank you very much yeah. for that as well, Lori. I really appreciate it. And I want to just take a quick second to say thank you to both of them for taking the time to talk to me, because I do appreciate sitting down and, you know, giving me a couple minutes of the time to talk about the show. Um, it was pretty cool. Oh, 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 and also, okay, let me tell you this story because it's awesome. So we went to this park because they, um, Katrina and Lori, where the set for the Jolly Roger is, because um, the ship that they use in the big sailing scenes is the Lady Washington out of Seattle, but they don't have it up there all the time. So they have another barge that's built with a set there, and so we went to the set of where like the Jolly Roger is docked, and they weren't filming or anything. We didn't see any filming um, throughout the day, but. It was so cool because when we got to the Jolly Roger, there was a swan swimming in the water right in front of it. And so I took video, and there's a bunch of pictures, and so as soon as I can get all that stuff together, I will. But, um, yeah, it was pretty nifty to see a swan, you know, swimming. Because I had my swan pin, and I had on my red leather jacket that looked like Emma's jacket. And, you know, it was just it was kind of the perfect cap to a really perfect day. The weather was really nice in the afternoon, and the sun was shining, and... I got a Welcome to Storybrooke t-shirt because they have them at the Visitor Center. And I got, like, they had these really cool artsy postcards of, like, a bunch of the buildings. So I got one of the library and Mr. Gold and Granny's. I'm going to frame them. Um, So they have really cool stuff. um, If you ever get a chance to get up to Houston, it is a really nice place. Um, The people are really nice, and it's just a really nice town. So if you go there, it's really fun. Um, they also have one of the coolest crosswalk intersections I've ever seen. Like, yeah, it's just cool. So, um, yeah, anyways, that's enough about my trip, I suppose. There are pictures on Twitter and stuff if you want to see, um, more of what I'm talking about. I've put a lot on there, and then I'll be adding more, um, over the next couple of days. I just didn't have time yesterday because, you know, I was gone all day. So, yeah. Um, so next in the news, let me see here, we've got a congratulations to, actually, no, wait. We've got some con news. Um, yes. Bex made, well, Rebecca made her, excuse me. That's, I just said her Twitter handle. I was calling her Bex like I know her, like she's my best friend or something. Rebecca Mater oh, is going to a con, and so is Amy. I believe you have some information about that, darling. Yes. Like, this con wasn't great enough already for me. It's in my hometown, one but we knew that Lana was coming. And I've been talking back and forth with the people that are running the con because we're we're just trying to set some things up and hopefully get some interviews going. And they did tell me we were going to get another Once Upon a Time guest, but it wasn't announced until yesterday. And when it came out, the news was that it is Rebecca Matter who is playing our Wicked Witch, Zelina. So, at this con, which is Spooky Con Mayhem in Orlando at the end of May. Oh, my God. Is it matter? Have... have I been saying her name wrong the whole time? Oh, my God. I think so. <laughs> but that's okay. I'm sure she doesn't mind. Oh, however you say it, you were a totally fabulous Wicked Witch of the West just for the 30 seconds that we saw you last night. Anyways, Amy, continue with your story. <laughs> there you go. So, anyway, we are going to have evil versus wicked at this con, and I am so excited. I'm not sure if they're going to be doing any appearances together. I did find out that Lana does have a Q&A session scheduled. 
she has signings and photo ops on both the Saturday and Sunday of this con. And I think Rebecca is actually going to be at the con all three days on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. There's a lot of guests. I know those of you who are huge Evil Regals and Big Lana fans like me, you know she loves horror movies. I almost feel like maybe that's one of the reasons she took this con because there's so many great horror guests like Freddie, uh, Robert England, the guy who plays him is coming. There's a bunch of actors from that series of movies. There's a bunch of people from Halloween, Friday the 13th. The director, John Carpenter, is going to be there. So it's kind of a really big deal. They do have VIP packages, but the woman I was talking to said that those and the hotel rooms tend to fill up pretty quick. So that's the only thing I'm a little bit worried about because I can't actually book the hotel room until closer to the con when it's in the budget. But the VIP passes will get you in. There's also going to be like a nighttime uh, party where the VIP, where the, the guests, the media guests, will actually be intermingling, which sounds fantastic and great photo ops. There's going to be, like, pool parties. They have costume contests. There's actually, for those of you who are super into horror and The Walking Dead and things, they actually kick everything off with this huge zombie walk. And I remember seeing it on the news last year, thousands of people all dressed as zombies walking towards the hotel from the main road outside. It was just insane. So I am super excited about this, and I'm covering it for Once Upon a Fan with another staff member, and we're going to be there. We're going to bring tons of pictures, talk to fans. I've already had lots of you contact me wanting to meet up and do your cosplays. And, oh, God, I just it's going to be so much fun. I wish you could come, Zach. I so, so much want you to be here for this one. Yeah, it's a shame that I can't go because I would love to go, trust me. Um I, yeah, I would love to, but, uh, I, I have some other commitments this summer that I, yes. that I, that I must do, um, so I don't want to talk about that quite yet, but yeah, um, you'll be hearing about that soon, like, yeah. pretty soon. That's so, big time. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, anyways, um, so uh, the next thing that we want to say is we want to do a shout out to Veronica Collins Rooney because she had a baby boy and Veronica Collins Rooney is the casting agent for the show and she is responsible for um, finding all the guest stars and, you know, the main cast. So, you know, since she did such a great, fantastic job with Peter Pan, both young and old, and, uh, you know, everybody else works on the show. Like we, you know, her work has, you know, really been recognized at least, you know, between you and I. So, um, and I know the rest of the Once Upon a Family you know, it feels the same way because, yeah, they just do a really good job. So congratulations to Veronica Collins-Rooney on your new baby boy. Yes, and he is adorable. She has actually shared a photo. So I believe they, they were the hot – she just had him a few days ago, so he's still super tiny. But big congratulations to her because these characters on Wonderland and on Once Upon a Time, they are so – they're just cast so spot on. She does a great job. Yeah, good stuff. Um, okay, so I'm really excited. Honestly, that's about it for the news roundup, and I am so stoked to get to this to this podcast, and we have to kind of be quick about it too because now we are back to having two shows to discuss, and there's a lot to discuss. So we're going to wrap up the news really quick, and um, 
Oh, we do. Uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to another news point when we get over to Wonderland because we do have something to mention about Wonderland, but we'll save that till we actually get to the discussion of the episode. Okay, so okay. <clears throat> um, the return of Once Upon a Time has happened. The hiatus is over, and the episode <laughs> New York City Serenade was pretty fantastic, I think. Um, another just, you know, I think it was a solid lead-in to the second half of the season, and a lot of things happen that I can't wait to see more of and the future of and where it's all going to go, and it's just very, very exciting. Amy, what's your just kind of overall impression of the episode? I loved the episode. We had heard they were going to start going a little bit darker. We both saw that with both shows this week, definitely. I was excited to see that my theory from last time was, was right on, so I loved this episode. Love, love, loved it. Of course, there was a lot of help. And a lot of good costumes. So. And, a, and a costume moment that I think may be, like, one of the best things that she's ever done, to be honest, Emma. So, yeah. Wow. Um, yes. <laughs> it's and just, you know I thought oh. of you in that moment. I turned to my husband. I was like, oh, Zach is going to lose his crap when <laughs> he sees this on the West Coast. And you know what moment I'm yeah. talking about, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I do, and I did. And I did. I, I did. <laughs> I, I lost my mind hardcore. Like, my Twitter feed pretty much explains it all, exactly how I was feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I reacted pretty hardcore. So, yeah, let's get on to this, because we have so much to discuss, as I was just saying. So, we start out, of course, with seeing, you know, Prince Philip writing on his way to go see you know, Aurora. And I love that that's how they started it off because it made me think of Broken because that's pretty much how Broken started. And I really mm-hmm. liked it. So I thought it was a great touch. And the pilot, too. We had Charming, you know, riding in on the pilot. Absolutely. At the very yeah, beginning. totally. So it's always like starting with, you know, the thing to see, you know, his, oh, my God, his maiden fair or something. Like, it's just, oh, yeah, I can dig it. <laughs> His woman. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Except oh. this time Aurora didn't need saving. Oh, my God, I love it. Okay. So, um, and then, of course, we see after he gets there and, you know, they kind of talk, a cloud blows in, like the magic smoke rolls in, you know, and they're taking off running. And then, you know, when it finally dissipates and all that good jazz, there they are. Everybody has just come back from Storybrooke and they're dressed in their finest fairy tale garb. And surprisingly enough, surprisingly enough, which I was honestly shocked about, Red Riding Hood was standing amongst the crowd. Mm-hmm. And I was quite tickled yeah. by that. I just love how they were all, like, in the same clothes. Charming's clothes are all, you know, ripped by the sword and bloodstained and stuff. And, you know, Regina is looking gorgeous. And I love the fact that she thought ahead and that it might be cold in the Enchanted Forest, so everybody might want a cloak. Um, it's very generous of Regina, you know what I mean? It was very thoughtful of her, I thought. Um, My so, queen is very yeah. considerate of her people. <laughs> yes, now she is, yeah, but before she would have been like, you can all you know, freeze to that. Freeze so, and die. Yeah. Uh, exactly, yeah. So I love the fact that Regina was so accommodating. It was very, very generous of her. Generous of her. So um, after that, uh, you know, we see that you know, Emma is going on a date with, you know, and it's the same music as the pilot, which I love. 
And it shows, like, a shot of her, you know, like, and it, she's kind of, like, wobbly on her high heels, which is, you know, pretty much just like it was in the pilot. And then this time, though, she's got a red coat over her gray dress. And you know me and my clothes theory, so I thought that was really, really interesting that she and wasn't I want wearing. That coat, coat yeah, is cute. Gorgeous. I want it. Yeah, I want it, it was... so bad. <laughs> Sorry, that's totally off track, but that's what I wrote. I actually made a note of that while I was watching it. I was like, oh, my God, I love that coat. And I live in Florida well, I, where I might wear it, like, one day a year. But I was like, hey, I want that coat. That'll be the coat I wear one day a year. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. So, yeah, it was really, yeah, it was really, really fun. And I just want to say, too, that when Emma sat down, right, and he said, you know, and Walsh is saying, you know, Emma Swan always gets her man. I was like, mm-hmm, yep, Swan fire forever, baby. Um, I was also like, and then she says, yes, and also my drink. And then, you know, the guy comes in to give her a drink. And I love the fact that Emma drinks red wine. I love mm-hmm. it. That was sad. So good. I yeah, like just another little reason. My husband was laughing at me because you all know from last week and the week before that I thought that Walsh was going to turn out to be a flying monkey. And so every time he would finish talking to her and there would be a pause, I would say, because I'm a monkey. My husband's like, oh, my God, you're nuts. So, yeah, we had a uh, we were a little bit hysterical with joy that it had finally returned. I think I was getting giddy, and lo and behold... Wonky came to be. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll get to that in just a second because I've got a note. All right, so um, <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. I surely do. So, um, so I just wanted. So, okay, I want to make sure that we get into some questions here about all this stuff too. So, um. <laughs> Because there's been there's been a couple of things. Let's see what we get. So I have some questions written down that I want us to go over. So let's see. In the meantime, though, while I'm finding those, um, Walsh himself was kind of a creepy like he was kind of a creepy guy. I just mm-hmm. thought that he was. Um, I mean, obviously he's a flying monkey, but he was he's just obviously really like. like I mean, the actor himself was just Aside like he was just really kind of creepy. Like, I was, I even tweeted. I was like, Emma, do not marry this guy. He, I mean, he's just creepy. He just was. I don't know how else to put it. The man was just a creeper. So I'm glad that you know. I'm kind of glad that the man ended up being a monkey. God, what am I saying? Okay, so um, <laughs> I. So I love just sometimes the things that come out of your mouth when you're talking about this show. I just kind of realized what that would have sounded like to somebody if they were like listening to me at a bus stop while I'm on the phone with somebody. So um, <laughs> after so Hook shows up right, and he's you know and they start talking, and Emma's like you know you are a liar or a crazy person or both, and he's like I prefer dashing rap scallion. Great line, loved it. Mm. There was a lot of really good one-liners in this. Did you notice that? The whole episode, the dialogue was really good. Yeah, it was really snappy, really quick, really witty. I really liked it a lot. It was really good. Um, and then, cause then also, the, even the dialogue and the conversation between Emma and Hook, because she said at one point, you know, that she would, like, punch him in the face, which reminded me of 
broken when she threatens to punch gold in the face in the pawn shop. Mm-hmm. And then when she said that, you know, believing something doesn't make it real, that totally reminded me of, like, you know, the pilot when she was like, just because you believe in something doesn't make it true. And Henry's like, that's exactly what makes it true, right? Ah, uh, so, um, yeah. Yeah. So it just, you know, the dialogue, it really reminds And so it, that kind of plays into the fact that they were using the same music from the pilot and Emma was going on a date, like, you know what I mean? It kind of just made, the fact that they pulled back to that and they added those little details really kind of made me think about season one and kind of connected the story all together. You know what I mean? Like, it really called back a lot of memories, and so it really kind of made the story a little bit more cohesive for me in this episode. Um, Right. I thought that that was really nice. Yeah. Um, And then, so, then we go back to the, you know, to the Enchanted Forest, which is now the Flash, which is happening after the the first half of season three, but before Emma's scenes. Yeah. So, um, wow, that's really, that God, I love how they do it. That a lot of people off. Actually, when I wrote my yeah. recap this week, I specifically put a note at the beginning just to remind people, because a lot of people were kind of thrown off by that, that everything in the Enchanted Forest takes place from immediately after they were all taken back at the end of what we saw where Emma drove away with Henry at the, you know, the end of 3A in the season. And everything in our world that we see up in New York is modern day. So the fairy tale stuff is a year ago, and New York is now, because Emma's been in New York for a year and dating the monkey for eight months. Oh my god! Oh, sorry, <laughs> I just can't get beyond the whole dating the monkey. So there you go. Timeline explained. Yeah, there's that's a really good detail, and I'm really glad that you brought that up, actually, because what that basically means is that everything that we see in the Enchanted Forest, right, like the flashbacks, that's all going to happen within a four month period of time. Because at some point, right, Walsh had, well, actually, no, I guess it is a year. No, hmm. See, that's weird then, because that means that somehow the witch found a way to send the monkey to our world and turned him into a human only four months into the whole deal, but then they were still there for another eight months. Right, before she brought hmm. them all back. So, I, I don't know, maybe that was the whole plan, was just for him to keep a watch over Emma. And, you know, just thinking about the timeline, too, um, the fact that, like, Mary Margaret is um, pretty much about to have the baby pregnant, um, Mm -hmm. that means that that roughly around the same time that the monkey went back to, came to our world and met Emma is probably about the same time that the baby was made. So, um, and then, because remember they said that there's going to be a connection between Snow and Charming's baby and Aurora's baby, and Aurora mentioned her baby in her dialogue at the beginning of the episode. She said that if the wicked, and we're about to get to that point too, after they're in the forest and all that stuff, and, you know, Snow and Regina, like, you know, basically say that they're going to move in together in the castle, which I thought was hilarious. Um, Aurora says that, her, that to Philip that if they don't tell her, which we know is wicked, then she'll take it out on their child. So isn't that, hmm, I think we're uncovering a few things here. I'll have to play some more detective work. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> seriously, though, like, that, it just, like, 
it makes you kind of wonder if you can kind of plan ahead. To, hmm, I'm going to have to think about that a little bit. So, yeah, um, the ogres were defeated, probably by the Wicked Witch, and Snow White wants to live with Regina in the castle. And Regina's, like, obviously not into it, but, you know, really, what other choice does she have at this point? So Exactly. Probably, probably going to be really interesting. Um, and then, yeah, Aurora and Philip, like I just said, they're going to tell the Wicked Witch, and Aurora's like, it's not our job to save them. And I'm like, really? They got you your heart back, and you're not going to tell them about the Wicked Witch? Aurora, you're pissing me off again. That's how I felt. I tweeted, Aurora, nobody likes the rat when that scene came up. Because I was like, I can't believe after all of that stuff from season two that she's going to. I mean, I know they're concerned for their safety and all, but, I mean, come on. She's going to rat them out. Like, no, he wants to do the right thing. But Aurora's like, "Uh uh-uh, got to go snitch. Yeah, I'm, hmm, hmm, things, hmm, hmm, that exactly. I'm sorry, I'm still thinking about the baby, I'm still thinking about the baby, sorry, um, so yeah, and then Walsh, you know, he asked Emma to marry him, blah, blah, so I love the scene where Henry and Emma are playing video games, there's a couple of reasons why, number one, Emma mentions, you know, is there going to be a level five wizard that shows up to help you, and I was like, well, there is a wizard coming at some point, I'm sure, like, I don't know if Maybe it'll be Rumple. Like I know that uh, that there's a couple out there, including Gareth, our editor, who think that you know Rumple could end up being the Wizard of Oz. So mm-hmm. um, also too, Henry is so grown up now, and Jared's performance was really different. And I like Henry older. He seems much more heroic. And Henry's like a cool kid. Like I would like he's like the cool kid of the family. Like you know, you wouldn't mind him sitting at the adult table with you at Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? Like. Right. Henry's really kind of, he seems really different now. He seems much more like, you know, he's not like in danger so much now. Like he can take care of himself is kind of the, the general feeling that I got from him. Yeah, he's definitely grown up. Just in, I mean, the jump between the first half of the season and now, if there was a big marked visible, visible difference, you know, he definitely seems different. And I think he's playing it very well because I think, you know, that's how it's being written for him, too. Aside from the fact that he's grown up, um, it's being written for him that he hasn't come from this background of, you know, danger and magic and all this other stuff. And so he, in his mind, has been a normal kid this whole time. So I think he's a little calmer, you know. I was kind of disappointed, though, when Emma asked him if he believes in magic, and he doesn't. You know, he, he made them set that line about believing in anything that'll bring him a present. I was like, oh, man. Poor Henry. <laughs> yeah, the truest believer is a non-believer now. Yeah. Kind of uh, an interesting play. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's totally and there's something else she has to help him. Exactly. It's just everything is a switch now. I love it. Um so the other thing that I want to talk about, too, is there's a couple of other things. Number one, um, they were, when they were discussing Neil and how he doesn't even know that Henry exists, and we know that, in fact, he does. They've met. Um, mm-hmm. They care about each other. And you know what's sad is, like, Emma doesn't remember, but, you know, like, well, oh, she does now, at least. Now she remembers Neil and everything else. But then she didn't, and, like, you know, Henry doesn't remember anything, which is kind of nice because Henry doesn't remember Neverland, which might actually kind of be a nice thing. But, uh, you know, that's... You know, I mean, even the bad stuff that happens to us is still, you know, meant for something. So 
Yeah, you know, it is unfortunate. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, the fact with season two that he, you know, really was mad at Emma in Manhattan because she had lied to him and everything. Like, I wonder if that's going to come back into play, you know, when all when he finally does remember because it's going to be like, you know, is he going to be mad at her for not telling him the truth from the beginning that all this was going on? You know what I mean? Like, it, may, it does make me wonder if that's going to come, yeah, you know, come back into play. It. Yeah, she promised to never hide anything and that she would always tell him the truth from now on. And, I mean, I can see how she's thinking, well, this is just, you know, wild and crazy things that he'll never believe. But, I mean, I, I really, really am hoping that he doesn't, that it, it doesn't take, like, the entire rest of the season for him to believe. You know what I mean? I, I'm hoping that, like with Emma, it's re- resolved fairly quickly with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um that how that's gonna play out is gonna be interesting. I do wonder if it's gonna be like, you know, the thing where and you know, I've had a theory and I posted it on the staff page and I haven't got it um completely edited down yet for for posting online, but I am writing another theory on the Wicked Witch and what I ultimately think her goal is. And I do think that um Emma's lying to Henry again and perhaps something to do with Regina too may end up being something that causes uh, causes a few things to happen for Emma's character. I'll just say that. So, uh, and you know what kind of what kind of person she is and what side she's on. So, um, yeah. Anyways, um, the thing that I want to talk about really quick with the scene between Emma and Henry playing the video games is that she asked him after they're talking about Walsh and all that stuff, right? She asked him where he got so wise, and he says somewhere after level sixteen when I became a knight. Okay. I, when I heard that, the very first thing I thought was, that's going to be the end of the show. Henry will be 16, and he'll be crowned a knight, and, like, that, yeah, that's how the show will end. Because the show started when he was 10, and it will end when he's 16, because 16 is the age, you know, in a lot of the Disney film, like, four, that, you know, that's the age of maturity, so to speak. So, um I do wonder if that's going to come into play later on. I would love if that was how the, if that's how the show actually ends, like Henry becomes a knight finally and, you know, gets to go do what he's always wanted to do and ride a horse and all that stuff, right? Because that's what he's always wanted to do. So, um, ult- because ultimately, right, in thinking in the long term, that would be Henry's happy ending. It would be for him to finally get what he's always wanted, which would be a family and to be able to be a knight. So that's just kind of what I think may end up happening. So who knows? We'll see. Um, so after that, right, we see back in the forest that Hook is headed to the Jolly Roger because that's his home and he doesn't want to go live in the castle with, you know, Regina and the Charmings because that's going to be complicated enough, like the weirdest Brady Bunch ever. So, um, you know, uh, and, and right then, right after that is when we see Neil go up to Charming and, and Snow and talk about how he wants to, um, stop by, Rumpel's palace, so, you know, his castle on their way to Regina's castle, you know, maybe pick up mm-hmm. a few things. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, really interesting. And I know that there's kind of a general consensus on the staff of what that could mean. Well, I kind of mm-hmm. go back and forth about it, but um, yeah, it makes well, me wonder if... The like, other thing. Was, I, see, I know what you're it, talking about, and I, I know you probably don't want to, like, spoil your theory there, but I mean, it could mean other things because Belle 
specifically made the comment that they never saw Rumpel's dagger again. So I think in her head, she's thinking that, you know, she could search, they could go search that place and find the dagger or, you know, things that maybe Rumpel, you know, just that's where he disappeared to. But I don't think that that's all that Neil's thinking is going to be there. He yeah, I'm... Mark Cookie, that <laughs> Neil. <laughs> I'm interest I'm really interested to see because I do kind of think that that there's gonna be a big surprise and that you know hmm, should I say it? Should I say it? Okay. So I kinda wonder if um the big reveal will be that Neil is the one who casts the curse that brings everyone back to Storybrooke and not the Wicked Witch. If he does it he's trying because to he get wants back to get back to Emma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, racing that's what the Sam ver- is that- saying. Chat room, M- or Sam, I'm calling her Emma. Samantha is saying that, you know, everything that you're saying, he just wants Emma. And, and then she said she didn't know all these castles were so close together. Who knew? But, yeah, that he, he you know, his heart's broken. He's willing to do anything to get back to Emma. Oh, Angela said maybe he sent the message to Hook. That's interesting. Because Hook said he Ooh, got a that's message. A good theory. That's all Ooh. he got. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Bell. I like it a lot. Ew. Let me see. Um, and also, too, I want to say really quick that Neil looks quite dashing in his forest garb. Yes. I'm, I'm a big fan of the fairy tale outfit for everyone. I think even when they're in Storybrooke, they should all just get rid of their Arwell clothes and just go around in the fairy tale garb. That's my feeling on it. <laughs> I don't know how, how how that would look if outsiders come in, but you know, Renaissance Fair, they could always play it off. Well, they know how to do it. They've lived it, so you know they've they've got the air of authenticity there. So, yeah, I mean that's pretty funny. So yeah. Um, and then, too, when when Snow and Charming tell Neil that he needs to nix the whole idea of going home to see it, you know, like going back to our world to see Emma, uh-huh. kind of bothered me because me I was too. like, so I was like, your guys' whole thing is finding each other. So why are you and now trying? To... Yeah, right. So there's always a way for for you guys, but not for. No, do you just are you just disapproving parents? Is that what it is? Like, do they just not <laughs> like Neil because he's son like is that really what it is like can we have a sit down family discussion with this and try to mediate the situation and find out what the real source here let's do it amy what do you think i know they were so debbie downer in that moment i was like come on charming don't be such a downer let the boy have a little bit of hope there's always a way i mean you've been here for three seasons you know how this works exactly (laughs) so um then, you know, we see that, you know, after Hook gave Emma the address at her date with Walsh, right, she mm-hmm. goes to Neil's apartment. And the first thing I noticed was that the keyhole was sealed. Yeah. Oh, that was interesting. I was like, what's that about? Because she had to open it, like, uh, you know, weird. And then um, she finds the Dreamcatcher and Rumpel's blood-stained rag from when he got stabbed in the chest by the, you know, by Hook in season two. Mm-hmm. And then she finds Henry's camera, which, of course, has a red um, strap on it, and his name is in red. And, mm-hmm. Yep. So 
just saying. And what I love, too, is I love that shot because when Emma is, like, going up to the camera, you see her reflection in the TV first, and I just thought that was pretty nifty. Mm. Yeah, there were a lot of really good shots. There was one shot where she walked it back into her own apartment, and they lingered on the shot for a minute. I actually posted a pic of it on Twitter because I thought it was so smart. And you could see her standing at the door, and you could see a full-length reflection, you know. It, and I, it, I sort of thought they were trying to show, you know, this is a mirror of her life. She's not actually living the reality and who she's supposed to be. So I thought that camera shot was really, really great. Yeah, good interpretation there because I actually saw the same thing. So good interpretation, Amy. I like it. So, um mm-hmm. Then we see the part, oh, okay, so then this part, right, when everyone's walking in the forest and then we're talking, and Snow gets the warning that Regina has disappeared. And when we see Regina, she has taken her heart out and she's burying it in the ground. And oh, my God. Yeah, that was, honestly, all of the Snow and Regina moments in this episode were my favorite parts of this episode. I literally almost... so good so so good I can watch an entire episode and I you know I've said a million times I love when Regina's being wicked but I loved her so much in this episode and she wasn't being wicked I mean she was being sassy and she certainly had a few few smart lines for some people but the moments with her and Snow I mean you have two mothers who have given up their children and so they really do understand how the other one feels and Regina almost hasn't had that ever you know this is like a a, she's never really had a girlfriend we don't know exactly how you know friendly her and Maleficent were but this was so I don't know I just really really liked it because I almost thought they were going to hug and they didn't but I don't know I thought it was really sweet and I loved all those moments with them yeah, because not only that, not only are they two mothers bonding over the fact that they just said goodbye to their children, but they themselves are mother and daughter to a degree. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like an added layer to, you know, the tragedy, really. Like, oh, it's just like they so, could have yeah, had was... this whole relationship. That's what I thought of when I saw that. I was thinking, you know, if it weren't like, for it's been like this whole time. Yeah, it could have been like this the whole time. But, you know, it's just really sad that because of events, it took all this for them to finally, you know, see each other as, you know, as a stepmom and a and a daughter where they can have this relationship and lean on each other. And it's, I mean, I thought it was just amazing. Definitely, definitely my favorite part. Yeah, those were really good scenes. I was really impressed by them, um, not only in the performance, but, you know, I mean, everything about them. This episode was really, really, really well done. Uh, there was a lot of, there was a lot more, like, emotional feel. Like, you could feel what the characters were going through a lot more. And I feel like sometimes in the past that has been kind of rushed, and that has where, that, those have been the places where, you know, we have found, like, been kind of unsatisfied by by what we were watching. Like, when you actually right. get the chance to the characters talk about it and feel it out and, you know, appreciate what's happened to them and kind of voice their, their internal concerns, you know, it makes them a lot more relatable and a lot more, you know, it just broadens their character and it makes us connect to them that much more. So it re- that's why I really like it a lot. So, yeah. 
Um, I also love the fact, you know, when Snow puts her arm, her hands on Regina's arms when they're talking about being so, you know, happy again, that was just mm-hmm. so, like, that was so sweet. Like, it's, oh, I just loved it. Anyways, so then, of course, there's a monkey in the bush listening the whole time. <laughs> and there's a monkey attack. When we come back from commercial, there's the monkey attack, and Robin Hood saves the day. And we finally see the moment where Snow and, you know, Robin Hood meet each other. And, yeah, I can't wait to see where that's going to go. I mean, Regina and Robin Hood. Snow and Robin Hood. <laughs> Although you never know. Maybe yeah. she's going to get bored with Charlie. And uh, he is pretty hot. <laughs> I'm sorry. Please forgive me once or just don't send me hate mail. Like, I, I, I didn't, you. yeah. <laughs> but you finally see the moment when Regina, the evil queen Mills, meets Robin, totally gorgeous hood. Okay, there we go. So, um, so that's that. And then, so there's the monkey attack and Robin Hood saves the day. And then later on, back in our world, there's another monkey attack. And Walsh is the monkey. <laughs> yes, he is. In the- He's the, actually the same monkey. And I'll tell you what, I did not realize this until our site editor, Gareth, mentioned it. And I had to go back and rewatch the episode again because I thought it was two different monkeys, but it is not. Walsh is that same monkey because where Robin Hood shot him in the neck, if you look all throughout the New York scenes, Walsh has this scar that the camera kind of lingers on in that spot where he was shot. And that's something I was disappointed in myself, honestly, because that's something I usually catch. Like I, I'm all over, like, oh, hidden Mickey. Look at this. There's a hidden detail. I did not see that at all, and it wasn't until he said it that I realized it. it. We forgot to mention the hidden Mickey. Oh, hidden Mickey. I I love the hidden Mickey. And I thought it was so funny because we've been talking about it for several weeks about how much we missed the hidden Mickeys and they weren't putting them in anymore. And then the very beginning of this episode, we got a huge hidden Mickey in bright colors, that you could not miss. So I was like, yay, Hidden Mickey. <laughs> you know how I feel about Hidden yeah. Mickey's. Love you know how I feel about Hidden Mickey's. Yeah, I was pretty Andy happy about it. Andy said she didn't um, see it, yeah. I posted a picture of it, oh, Andy, on my Twitter. Oh. If you want to look back through my pictures, you'll be able to see it. What scene was it in? Wasn't it on a, a table that Aurora was setting at the beginning? Yeah, it was right at the very beginning when the camera passes over the platter she set. Or yeah. She has all this stuff, but the big plate, and then there's two small plates right above it, but it's not, it's really not even hidden. I mean, this is a blatant, obvious nod to a hidden Mickey. This is probably the most obvious hidden Mickey that they've done in a while. Usually they're really, they're kind of subtle or off to the side, but this was dead in the middle of the camera right there. So good. Uh, it was good. Yes. And yeah, so it said, is. Like the place like, on the Haunted Mansion. Mm-hmm. That's yes. exactly right. Yep, that is exactly correct. Yep. So, um, yeah, let me see. So, I have more notes. Okay, so then after the monkey attack, right, and she goes off with Hook to, you know, to do her thing because she drinks the potion, right, and she remembers and everything like that. Okay, cool. So then she's in her kitchen, and, oh, can I just say one thing, too? Okay, so the revenge commercials that were rolling during this episode, 
had me in stitches because they kept saying revengier. Me too. I was, I was cracking up. I was cracking up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was like, really? Like, revengier. It's all getting revengier now. That's like, a new it? one. I used to watch that show adamantly, and then last season it started getting a little wonky for me, like when they started bringing in all these secret organizations and crap. But I was seeing the commercials, and I was like looking at my husband, I'm like, what the hell is revengier? Is that even, I don't even think that's a word. He's like, oh, just watch your show, crazy. <laughs> So, yeah, I, <laughs> the commercials were horrible. And I saw your tweet, and I was like, I showed it to him. I said, look, I am not the only one that thinks this is ridiculous. So, yes, hate those commercials. So dumb. <laughs> now that we've got that out of the way. Yeah, so, so anyways, um, after the monkey attack, which I'm, I'm – I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep going with this because there's some things I could say about the fact that Emma was engaged to a monkey. Um, so, uh, oh my god! So Emma is in the kitchen and she's making Henry breakfast, right? Mm-hmm. Am I the only one thought that her shirt was looking very kind of regal, like Victorian princess esque? Like, I liked it. it. I did very, think it like, was kind of old fashioned She also had a swan-shaped uh, fruit bowl on the counter. I don't know if you saw that or not. I forgot to ask you. Is it in that scene? I don't remember if it's that scene or one of the other kitchen scenes, but it's obvious. Like, if you go back and rewatch it and you know she has a bowl full of fruit that's shaped like a swan, like, you'll see it. You'll definitely see it. That's great. I will look for it because I'm I'm actually at that part right now because um, the moment that was my favorite moment of all happened. Um, Emma tells Henry they're going on a trip, and then Hook comes in, and Henry asks him why he's dressed like that, and Hook's like, why are you dressed like that? Um, oh, yeah. Which I thought was really cracks me up, too. He has some fantastic lines. Between that snappy, why are you dressed like that, and his thing about them force-feeding him bologna, I was... He had me rolling. I was like... I thought those were two of the funniest oh, lines. Yeah, yeah, they tried to force something called yeah, that was pretty good. Baloney. <laughs> yeah. And then Emma's like, and then the, the moment, right? Emma hands Henry his coat and his scarf. Okay. And she says, let me just get one last thing. And she goes to the closet and she opens it up. And she pulls the red jacket out. And puts it on, and that is the moment, ladies and gentlemen, that your host, Zachary, lost his mind. Yes. I knew you would, babe. I told my completely, husband, I said, oh, there it is. Completely 1,000% lost it. Like, um, like, I had both, of, it was like, I had both of my arms up in the air in, like, the touchdown pose. Like... <laughs> And I was like, I was like, it's my jacket, woohoo! Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was just losing it. I was going crazy. That is so awesome. I thought of you. I think all of us thought of you during that scene. Like that, that jacket symbolizes Emma all in one big swoop. Like that jacket, Emma is that jacket. That jacket is Emma. It's like so. It's such a representation of her character and and power and just everything else. 
It is yeah, her armor, definitely. exactly. Like it's like it's like her battle garb, so to speak. Like the savior is back. Like you know what I mean? Like she's mm-hmm. assuming her role. Oh my god, it was just such a moment. Oh my god, I love it so much. Like it was just so amazing. I Jennifer Morrison. If you ever listen to this podcast, I just want to let you know. I'm sure you know this from pictures and things. But I'm just going to tell you again. That jacket is fabulous. And, um, you know, I, I, I like it. It's pretty cool. So you may have noticed that, too, once in a while. Who knows? So, um, anyways, uh, then she's driving through Storybrooke, right? And the part that I love about this is that it's like the reverse of what it was in the pilot. She's driving the opposite direction. She's going the opposite way down the street than she was. Um, I just, I love it. And I love seeing the yellow butt, like that car. I want one. Um, you know. And the clock, too, did you notice that the clock is at 8.15? Is it? I did not notice the yeah. scene again. Oh, it's that, yeah, in the scene, in the shot where, it, like, when it shows Emma, like, the, the bug is pulling up to the street, like, from kind of Granny's, and then it, the next shot is Hook and Emma getting out of the car, and the clock tower is up at the top, and it's really, really quick, but if you look, the clock is at 8.15 again. Wow. So, yeah. That's so, so awesome. The, that detail is there, too, yeah. And also, I just want to point out that the outfit that Emma is wearing, um, it looks very, very similar to the one that she wore in uh, A Land Without Magic. It's just that she's wearing the rather uh, princessy-looking shirt instead of the, uh, you know, the black kind of top thing. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just interesting. And the music is the same as the pilot, too. And then Emma mm-hmm. has to go talk to her parents. And then she gets there, and it's exactly the way that I pictured it. Like, to the Charmings, it's only been a day, and Snow White went from being totally fine to being almost ready to have a baby pregnant. Right. Were you, like, holding your breath when he opened the door? Because I was. I was like, oh, please, God, let him know who she is. I was totally holding my breath, hoping that he was going to recognize her. It's like, hilarious to me that you just said that. It's hilarious to me that you just said that because I'm rewatching the end right now. And right when you said, were you holding your breath when he opened the door? He literally opened the door, like right then, like exactly. right when you just said that. Like, <laughs> and, it's, and I love when Emma's like, "Hi," and she's like, "Don't close the door." Yeah. Oh, so good. And he knew who she was. I was like, "Oh, thank God." Thank God that she doesn't have to also convince Henry, then convince everybody in town. I mean, this is going to be a long undertaking. So, yeah, I was thrilled. Yeah, and, and, and so can I just say right now, um, Josh Dallas, my good fellow, my kind sir, my you know, my man, you have one of the best head of hairs I've ever seen in my life. Josh Dallas has, like, the best hair ever, I think. It is just wavy and princely, and this is coming from somebody who, you know, is experiencing a problem holding on to his. So I pay attention to these things. He has a great head of hair, I'm telling you. It's fantastic. He's got the best hair. Oh, my God. Okay, so keep going. I did the HuffPost Live interview with him, and we were uh, video chatting on camera this week. I had to keep myself from saying something, because I didn't want to make the site look like a bunch of lunatics, because, you know, I was beyond there representing and I had to hold myself back from saying, damn, your hair looks great, because, like, his hair was, like, so amazing. And then on the show, I was like, hey, he's got the same hair. 
awesome. I'm glad I didn't say that, you know, worldwide news or anything. But, yes, he has. They're, they're definitely doing some crunchy thing with his hair. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about not wanting to look like a lunatic? Let me share this story with you, everybody. Okay. So. <laughs> oh, we have a ton of lunatic when stories. I, when, I, oh, <laughs> when, I, when I went to... When I went to uh, Canada yesterday, when I went up to Houston, me and my friend Melissa, we get to the border crossing, right? Mm-hmm. And the guy, <laughs> the agent is there, and he, ha- you know, he, we hand him our passport and our, my, you know, my driver's license, all that, my enhanced driver's license and stuff. And he looks at it and he goes, "Why are you coming to Canada today?" I said, "We're going to Houston." And he said, "Why?" I said, "Because they filmed my favorite show there." And he was like, "What are you going to do when you're there?" And I was like, "Take pictures, and you know, hope they're filming today." And he said, you didn't check on that? And I said, no, they don't really post the schedule like, in public or anything because they don't want a bunch of crazies showing up on the set. And he looks at me for a second. He looks at me for a second, and he's like, so you mean like you? And I was like, yeah, exactly, like me. And he's like, mm-hmm. And he hands my stuff back, and he was like, have fun. And I was like, oh, I will. And, uh, and you know, drove on into Canada. So That's you want to talk, awesome. you know, try not to look like a lunatic? I look like a complete <laughs> crazy person right then, I am sure. Um, you know. <laughs> That's yeah, crazy. definitely one of, my, one of my Hall of Fame moments, to be sure. So, um, so, so then, um, anyways, back to the recap, because we're pretty much at the end, and then we got to get on to Wonderland. So um, the episode, you know, Emma goes to the apartment after she's in Storybrooke, and she sees David, and they're talking, and he says how they, you know, he talks about how they don't remember anything. And then she says, how do you know that, she starts to say, how do you know that it's been a year? And before she can finish her sentence, Snow White says, Emma, and she comes running down the stairs. And then it gets the big reveal that Snow White is, like, ready to have a baby pregnant. And here's a couple of things I want to point out about this. Number one, her dress is blue. Um, Number two, she has on kind of like a yellow-colored cardigan which is kind of a reverse of the classic Snow White dress, but it's okay. And number three, um, her dress has, like, a bow on it, like a Snow White bow. It's not red, it's blue to match her dress, but... I love it. I hope she gets the hair bow. And then, then, oh, wait, hold on. Wait, what were you going to say? I said, I hope she gets a hair bow. I would love to see her in a little Snow White hair bow. Really, can we not put the girl in a yellow dress with a blue cardigan and a yellow hair bow? Can, like a little French hat or something? Like a beret? Like, is it possible? <laughs> can we make it? I am so dying to see her in, like, a, like Snow White, like full-on Snow White. Like, bring it on. Like, I don't mind the bright colors at all. Let's just do it. I just think it would right. be so cute. Maybe we can just talk to you this time around. You know, so dress it up. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, give you know, give us a little classics in a way. Okay. So then we get the big reveal of the Wicked Witch in the ca- in Regina's castle. Mm-hmm. And her dress is kind of green. Creepy, totally creepy Walsh monkey comes flying in. And they're talking and stuff. And I and then the monkey puts Regina's blood in the potion, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, and the Wicked Witch says that, you know, 
I shall get my revenge. And then she said, of course, well, the queen may be evil, but I'm wicked, and wicked always wins. And, oh, my God, Rebecca Maynard, your delivery of that line. Yeah, so good, so good. I just, I wonder, that, that left me wondering why she need. I mean, did she need that to read, like, was she going to build the curse upon that? Does that have something to do with it? Because Regina destroyed it, and maybe she needed her blood to bring it back? I have no idea. I'm just yeah, I don't know. There's so many questions. <laughs> yeah. Oh and, oh, and then in the preview, right, in the preview, did you hear about how she's turning people into flying monkeys? Yes, I saw in the commercial. They were like, oh, I didn't I didn't see that coming. And she, somehow people in Storybrooke are being turned into flying monkeys. And that's not a spoiler because it's on the commercial that's on ABC right now for this week. So right. I, I don't know. So there's not only that. Yeah, there, well, it makes me think that she's turned Rumple into a monkey, number one. But number two, it also makes me wonder, um, which that may not be pan- be the way that it pans out, but still it would be kind of fun. But then secondly, there's the other thing that happens, which is that um, uh, she says to Regina in that commercial, you really don't know who I am, do you? And it's like, oh, my God, what is she really going to be Rumple's daughter? And I think that it you know could be possible, but... I also would be really interested to see if she is Leopold and Cora's daughter, because then she would be both Snow White and Regina's sister. So that would be really interesting. And then you'd have three witches, and that would make Glenda the fourth. Oh. Right. I'm going to need to write this down. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Just think of there. (laughs) Because, I mean, if that makes because Snow White and Glinda are supposed to be forces of good. Regina's evil. This chick's wicked. I mean, that's how it's kind of written out in the book. There's four witches. Two are good. Two are bad. Ooh, I like this. Ooh. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, it's I'm going to have to good. dig out a book. <laughs> oh, it's going to be so good. <laughs> it's it's going to be good. So, all right, that does it for the Once Upon a Time um recap and now amy since you are our resident wonderland fan and expert i am going to let you get on with the discussion of uh once upon a time in wonderland so Uh, please take us through a lot happened this week oh my gosh and we had live tweets with the writers this time who vote we had a death we had a jabberwocky there was so much going on in this episode and it was dark which we have seen dark from wonderland before because we saw Jafar's father try and kill him, but this episode, it had a death that we weren't expecting, but one thing, before I get into kind of the wrap-up of it, I want to ask all of you in the chat room, are we all in agreement, because we did learn in this episode that the other two genie bottles that Jafar has have Cyrus's brothers in them, so they were all cursed at the same time. Are we all in agreement that Sydney is one of Cyrus's brothers because that one lamp on that Jafar already has is Sydney's lamp, and we know there's some Storybrooke stuff coming up. So, do you guys have has anybody looked at that? I mean, I don't look at spoiler picks, but I think some of us are in agreement that that's gonna. Sarah says she doesn't think so, but I'm definitely gonna end up being one of his brothers, whether it's a half-brother or whatever, I think we're going to find out that Sydney's in that other lamp. But 
this episode started off, and I got some very sad, sad mail from a friend of mine, Karen, who was going to cosplay Lizard, who is Elizabeth, the character that had helped out the Knave in the past. When we left Wonderland before, the, you know, his genie, he had been turned into the genie. His bottle was rolling down the river. Well, it happens that she's bathing in the river, and she's the one that finds it. So she and the Knave get together. She doesn't know what to wish for. And he tells her, you know, don't, this is the laws of magic. We can't make people feel anything or make someone fall in love. Can't kill anybody. You know, she's like, oh, I, don't know, I don't know what I want to do. So she gives a wish to him. And in, you know, pretty much true naive fashion, she gets in and, or he gets into the town and just wishes for cold beers for the entire town for all night long. So they get into this big old party and they're having all kinds of town, and then they go back, and he's ready to help Lizard get her second wish. And she said that since there is someone she's in love with, but since she can't wish for that, he says he can give her the second best thing. He can make her into this beautiful, fantastic woman with a great behind, he says, and a naughty streak and all these other things, and that he he's going to help her with this and the, you know, there'll be fireworks and the man that she loves can't resist. So he does all this. She has a huge transformation. She is no longer looking like a Robin Hood thief. She's wearing all this gorgeous makeup. Her hair is perfect. She's got this slinky white dress on with diamonds on it. And then she confesses to Will that he is the one that she's in love with. And she doesn't obviously know that he doesn't have his heart. So he can't love anybody right now. And in her sadness for me, and she wasn't meaning that to be her final wish, but she said the words. And in saying those words, she broke the laws of magic and it killed her. She dropped dead on the floor and Will was sucked back into the bottle. So I think that that, that was unexpected, and I know Karen was sending me tweets and things on Facebook because she wanted to cosplay Lizard. She was like, no, my favorite character. So, did you see that coming, Zach? Did you think she was going to die? Nope. Um, <laughs> no? I kind of actually, as soon as, as soon as she said, I just wish you could feel something, I was like, oh, no, she made a wish. Like, that's... And they've said several times, you know, that, you know, um, uh, Holy Smoke Cyrus said it to, to Alice that, you know, there are always drastic consequences to, you know, what you wish for. So you have to be very right. careful. And, um, yeah, I knew as soon as she said, I wish you could feel something, that she was done. Uh, I, I knew that something bad was going to happen because it was just, you know, she said, I wish, and it was, you just knew it wasn't going to go well. And then I didn't see it coming beforehand, but it was just that was my reaction when she said, you know, I wish. I was like, oh, oh, no. Just, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be good. And then it was so tragic because as she's on the floor, she's like, I just wanted you to feel something. And, and he's – and did you notice that Michael so like, Saka, he – hit his head on the edge of the thing so hard that he, like, bloodied his forehead? He was bleeding, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Crazy. And he said in the chat room, this is interesting, 
she said she doesn't think she died because she broke that rule of magic. She thinks she died because her death made him feel something for her. So, you know, That's maybe he I felt regret or, you know, pity or, you know, that he was sorry that he couldn't save her. So maybe that's, maybe that's true. Hmm. Yeah. You got to be specific when you're making wishes. All magic comes with a price. They say it on both shows and we have seen it now on both shows many, many, many times. We saw Jafar's father in this episode again. And again, when given the opportunity to, show a little bit of kindness to his son. He tells Jafar he wishes he would have held him under the water longer. So father of the year for you, Sultan man. <laughs> I was like, this guy is, he's right up there with Pan for me as far as he's just sucking all around for fathers. For the romantic side, we did finally get to see the Alice and Cyrus proposal that didn't happen in the first episode because he had gotten supposedly knocked into the boiling sea. So that that was a cute moment. I got tons of tweets about that, too. Did you see the proposal and the whole mushy, mushy little scene there, Zach? I'm a, I'm a big softie for the romantics. So, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, I guess so sweet. Although I kind of honestly had wanted her to, to ask him. I mean, not get down on one knee necessarily, but I kind of wanted Alice to ask him. Really? Huh. I wanted the it just ring seems to have a diamond on it, but it didn't. It was just a band. Yeah. Like, I told my husband, I said, they're not engaged. There's no diamond on that ring. He's like, oh, you need help. But, yeah. I thought it was it would have been cute. cute. If, I like the fireworks. It would have been cute if that ring had had, like, a little rose on it or, like, a red rose or something. Like, we're painting the roses red, you know, like, something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe Definitely. that'll be next week when Corp shows up. Yeah, definitely. And Sam said about them being threes of crowds, and, you know, the Red Queen had spent the night in the tent with them. So, again, another uh, little thing going on on one of the Once Upon a Time shows. But, yeah, she stayed there, and she was obviously disgusted with their lovey-doveyness. And, I don't know, she has really made a big turnaround for me. I love the Red Queen anyway, and I think Emma Rigby is stunning and fantastic, but I think she's really getting to do some great scenes and some great work as the season progresses. And there's only actually four episodes left. <clears throat> when we had this live tweet up during this past episode, it was Richard Haddam and Jen Cow who wrote this episode, and they were amazing. We were on there asking them tons of questions. They were sharing all kinds of behind-the-scenes things. Jen saved all her storyboards and scanned them and was putting them up on Twitter for us while we were going through. So we were getting to see these great pictures of Jafar that were drawn out, the Jabberwocky, all these other things that happened. And there was just so much detail, and it's really neat to see that. And one of the things I had asked Richard was with a time constraint of only having, you know, this last five episodes, the end of the season were they not were there storylines he had wanted to do that they had run out of time for and he said definitely there were several the one that he mentioned to me was that they had a storyline planned for Alice's mother but they could not do it because they didn't have time which I find completely intriguing and I've asked him if 
Um, I know he can't talk about it until the show's over, but if afterwards, if he would tell us, because we are dying to know that, or and if any of the other storylines maybe involve Jefferson, I would love to know that too. But he actually, we're hoping that um, he'll be coming on the podcast eventually. He's done a ton of stuff. If you don't know who he is, look him up on IMDb. He's written lots and lots of things. His name's Richard Haddam, so he's really, really great, and he's really ready to answer any writing questions or other questions you guys have about Wonderland. He's fantastic. So <laughs> find him on Twitter and ask him away. So. The other really big thing for Wonderland this week was the Jabberwocky, which she was a little Lady Gaga, but she's very, very dark. What did you think well, of her, Zach? Well, well, I thought she was more than a little Gaga, um, in, more, in more ways than one. Um, she was, uh, honestly, her uh, her character reminded me of Maleficent a lot. Um, and the yes. reason why is because when Jafar first walks in and you only hear her voice and you don't actually see her physically, it reminded me of the scene in A Land Without Magic um, after Charming has threatened Maleficent and she's kind of pushed him away with magic and she disappears and she's laughing at him. Um, it made me mm-hmm. kind of think of that. Also because obviously, you know, normally the driver, the, the driver walking, now I'm combining it. The Jabberwocky is um, a, typically like a dragon kind of representation. So mm-hmm. that obviously made me think of Maleficent as well. Um, it really made me hope that we would see um, maybe an interaction between the Jabberwocky and Maleficent. Maybe they could be sisters or something, because um, why not have everybody be related, or at least friends. Um, but, you know, the other thing, too, that I find interesting is that uh, I want to know how the Jabberwocky that we're seeing plays into what Jack said on Once Upon a Time in Season 2 in the episode Tiny when she said that she had slayed a Jabberwocky. So... Does that mean, like, are Jabberwockies, like, dark ones? Like, if you kill one, or excuse me, like, are there multiple of them? Uh, um, I think Jack was a a lying witch. I don't think she slayed anybody. (laughs) I don't think she killed the Jabberwock. Uh, Pizza, pizza. I keep wanting to call him Pizza, because that's what I call it when we're talking. Peter just mentioned that um, in the original Alice book, the Jabberwock is the name of the monster. Only the poem is called Jabberwocky, and that's true. But I knew I had heard ahead of time they were going to call the beast Jabberwocky. I think a lot of people are more familiar with that name, so that's probably why they just went ahead and went with it. I thought it was a creepy twist, too, to go along with only hearing her voice, that she kept talking when she was talking to Jafar. She kept talking about him jabber, jabber, jabbering. Because that's not... Oh, yeah, that was uh, a great detail. I love that line. Loved I it. I loved it, too, because that is not something from the book. The Jabberwocky that has nothing to do with people or anyone you know, or the creature, you know, jabbering and jammering around. That's just a name. I thought it was really, really clever that they did that and put those lines in there. I thought it was so good. And it's so dark and wicked. Her power is that she gets into your head and whether you can see her or not and she pulls this horrible fear I mean the things she said to Jafar she talks, you know, he frees her she's stuck up, when he finally sees her she's trapped 
up against this big circular thing, assuming is the Vorpal sword or the Vorpal blade from the stories. But, yes, yeah, she's like the scarecrow from Batman. That's what he says. That she's, that's exactly what she's like. She feeds on the fear. And when she falls, she, I mean, she looks human, but you hear like the crackling, like her spine is stretching out, which is very reptilian to me. I thought that yeah. was really well yeah, done. Reptilian is a good word for her. Yeah, and I thought that was another thing made me hope that she's related to Maleficent, but she just circles around Jafar and he's so confident that he's freed her and now she's going to be all gung-ho to work for him, but she talks about, you know, he's afraid and then she automatically knows about his father drowning him because his father didn't try to drown him. If you haven't watched all the episodes, he literally killed him. He drowned him in a sink. And she's, while he's, like, doubled over in fear, she's just eating that up. She's like, so tell me what burns more, the betrayal of your father killing you or the lack of oxygen in your lungs? And she's just, I love how she just kind of eats it up and she loves it and then she turns around and walks off and finally he's able to breathe again and move, but Jafar was, like, paralyzed with fear for a minute there. It was just crazy. Yeah, um, she's a really interesting character. I'm, I I do think that the sword might be the Vorpal Blade. Um, that's a good possibility, just because I think they're going to include that on there. Um, mm. I, uh, uh, hmm. I didn't really... I don't know. I, I'm looking... Hmm. How do I feel about this episode? Um, I thought that the... Oh, wait. You haven't actually brought this up yet. So, okay. There was a, there was an aspect of the show, of this episode, that I thought was really, really creepy, um, which was the scene where Alice and Will and Anastasia are all tied up at the stake. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the mall grats come out. Mall yes. Yeah. Um, can you say creepy? They were creepy. And what's can... funny is anybody who's seen the Alice in Wonderland cartoon, that whole poem about the Momrath is the lighthearted, funny-sounding thing cat. that the Cheshire Cat sings. And obviously yep. they are they are not <laughs> the lighthearted, pretty, cuddly things that we think of in that song. So. Those things were creepy. They were like rabid wolf monkey dogs or something. You know what I thought at first? I actually thought at first that they were going to be a but, like that one of them was going to end up being the Cheshire Cat, and that that's mm-hmm. what they called. Like the Cheshire Cat is a is a mom rat. Like you know what I mean? Like that's kind of what mm-hmm. I thought was going to happen. So, um, mm-hmm. so I really, yeah, I really, I really like that a lot. Um, and I don't know if I'm even saying it correctly. Um, let me see. I will yes. answer you in just a second. Um, the Momrath upgrade. So funky. I love that part. I love when they pull anything in to from the original books. I think I love when they pull all that stuff in. I'm really sad that Wonderland isn't going to go further, actually. Um, 
I would I think just because I think that there's gonna that there's more that that could have been done. Maybe that if they were to ever do a second one, then that would be cool. Because I do want to see the story with Alice's mom. Um, yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm sad to see that it's not going to go further. And however, having said that, I am extremely, extremely excited that next week. Spoiler alert: five, four, three, two, one. Okay, you guys, you had your spoiler alert now. Next week, Cora is going to be on the show. And I can only imagine that that means that it's something to do with Will and why he doesn't have his heart. And perhaps in the flashback, we'll see that, you know, what Alice mentioned in the very first episode when, uh, you know, once she helped him get back his heart and now she needs him to help her get back hers. Um, I'm hoping that that means that that's what we'll see, that we'll see Alice going against Cora to get Will's heart back for him. So Exactly. Um, I am so excited that Cora is going to be in the episode, and it's going to be called um, The Heart of the Matter, so it definitely has something to do with the heart. I've already talked to Jen Cow, who co-wrote it with Katie Wetch. Um, Katie Wetch is going to be on site working on a different TV show that she also writes for, but they are both going to try and live tweet that episode as well, and Jen is the one who has the really great storyboards. I would love to see some storyboards from the Cora and Hart. And, I mean, it is a little bit of a spoiler, but I am going to tell you we are going to see Storybrooke again in Wonderland in this last four episodes that were, you know, barreling to the end of the story. Richard Haddam also mentioned, I asked him if we were ever going to see that witch again who plays Alice's stepmother, and we're going to see her in the final episode. I still have a feeling that that witch is up to no good. There is something going on with her. I don't know what it is, but there, I, I have... Where there is. She is, she's just... She, she's oh. evil, right? She is totally evil. Like, she reminds me, of, like, of a character from American Horror Story. Like, there's just something wrong with that woman. I can't put... Like, she's going to turn out to be some kind of wicked wretch, ghosty thing from a horror movie. Like, some kind of thing from, like... You know, I don't even know the what. Grudge. Like, she's just the grudge, you know, or like Drag Me to Hell, or one of those stupid, you know, one of those crazy movies that has like some weird otherworldly supernatural thing whose jaw stretches like four times past what it's supposed to. You know what I mean? Like something like that. Just there's something wrong with that lady, with that character. Like obviously, and maybe that's you know this has to do with the storyline with Alice's mom. Maybe she's like holding Alice's mom hostage or something somewhere because. Or maybe Regina has her locked up, or for all we know, shoot, Regina locks up everybody. So, um, you know, like, there's just, there's just, yeah, there's so much. Anyways, um, we are down to the last three minutes of the so I want to make sure that, uh, actually, two minutes of the show, my goodness, how did that already happen? That so, was fast, holy cow. Yeah, so just want to remind everybody that this week on Thursday, the new episode of Wonderland, we'll have the episode with Cora, and then, of course, Sunday... We have Once Upon a Time coming back again with the episode Witch Hunt, which from the previews guarantees we were going to see a ton of the Wicked Witch. It's very, very exciting. Yes. Um, I want to see her save a line. I'm going to take everything away from you. <gasps> yes, exactly. That's I, I'm, And then, Regina, bring it. Like, yes, please, bring it. I, okay. You can't bring it fast enough. 90 seconds left. Okay, cool. So, um... What else? I did. What oh, else? I know what, what I wanted to say. Just real quick before we end. 
One of the things Josh mentioned is that he is fully behind this uh, campaign to keep paparazzi and people from kind of stalking celebrity children and taking uh-huh. pictures. Yeah, yeah. So we would like to ask that all oneers. I know we're not paparazzi, and everybody's so curious to see this beautiful baby that's coming, but that everybody kind of be respectful, not stalk for a picture, and let's just kind of wait and see. You know, eventually they'll show us a picture, I'm sure. So if we could all you know, get behind that. That's really important to them, and I think that we owe them that respect to to not stalk them for photos of the of the baby. Agreed. So, yeah, um, we will be back next week on Tuesday again for another episode. Um, let's see what else. There's so much. Yeah. Oh, there's just Follow so much going on. Follow us on Facebook what, you know. and on Twitter. For all of our yeah, we're at OUAF as in fan podcast on Twitter, and we're Once Upon a Fan podcast on uh, Once Upon a Fan podcast on Facebook. We have the last 10 seconds, so everybody, thank you very much for listening to the show. We'll see you next week. Yay, Once Upon a Time is back. Yay, bye. Bye.